Hello, everyone. This is a D-Rays Bay podcast special. We are instantly reacting to the Major League debut of Shane Boz. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined by Danny Russell and Darby Robinson. Guys, what an outing. What a first outing for Mr. Shane Boz, number 11. Number 11 prospect in the game. Number 11 on the jersey. Man, is it weird that that's one of the most exciting parts of tonight? Was that he rolled out with a sick number on his jersey. Like, if you're thinking about the Rays roster right now, how many starting pitchers can you name their number? And and to pause about this, we're an analytics website, and we're just getting in on the jersey number. I know, I know. But, but stick with me on the emotion and the feel and the celebrity of your best players and your best pitchers. You know that Blake Snell is number four. You know that Chris Archer is number 22. Those guys are not pitching right now. Uh but you you want iconic numbers on your best players, and there's a real possibility that Shane Boz is going to be that for the Rays. So when he selected the number 11 jersey, I was just pumped. Uh, and, I, and I mean, by comparison, how many uh, jersey numbers can you name in the Rays starting rotation right now? Uh, actually, let's make it a game. Let's start out at the top of the game. Uh, name that jersey number. Are you going to give us the player first? I'm going to give you the player. All right. Okay. What number is Ryan Yarbrough? 48. Oh, I hate that you knew that. <laughs> oh, is it, did I, was I right? Darby, were you going to guess 48 as well? Yes. Uh, he's had too long in our minds. What number is Drew Rasmussen? Mm. 35? Rasmussen, 32? <laughs> he's wearing 57. No clue. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Rasmussen also also maybe the most important player for the race when the postseason comes. So we'll, we'll see what's happening. We should focus on Shane Boz. So let let me go ahead and do this. What what about Michael Walker? What's his? I know 52. I knew his fifty two. Yes. Not to be confused with the other Shane, who's sixty two. Shane McClanahan. All right. Uh, I'm in a celebratory mood here, cracking my beer. I'm in the Asheville area right now, so I've got a Boojum Brewing Company. Get off my cloud, New England style IPA. Pouring this one out for good old Shane Boz. Thank you to the sponsor. Thank you to the sponsor. Yeah, they want a sponsor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hashtag ad. But go, going back to the one more thing on jersey numbers, remind me kind of a guy that uh, debuted at this point in the season, way back when, wore the number 14, Mr. David Price, who cemented himself as, at that point in time, maybe the best race starting pitcher ever. Uh, and, and so it, it was really exciting. And to see Boz come up against this lineup, because at one point I did not expect Shane Boz to pitch in the big leagues this year. And that was when he went to the Olympics, which is a great opportunity for him, a, a, an opportunity that a lot of guys don't get to get don't, don't get to have. You have him and Joe Ryan pitching alongside Edwin Jackson and Scott Casimir uh, and then come back, pitch lights out in AAA and then ascend into the big leagues. Man, what what a year for Shane Boz. Lights out is an understatement too. He had 113 strikeouts in the minors this year between double and triple A and only 13 walks. He outpaced his walks by a hundred strikeouts. That is absurd on its own. The fact that it's so few walks on top of that compared to what Shane Boss was going into this year, where I even had people uh, when I was asking around for our top prospect list and trying to talk to people um, that have seen prospects live, um, coaches, scouts, other writers who, who talk to the same 
people are giving me all this kinds of reliever risk kind of talk like, oh, he doesn't have the control and the command and that that reputation that stuck with him when no one had really seen what he was in 2020 when he was pitching on the alternate site. The closest he got to meaningful baseball was being in the 60 player pool. And for him to come into this season, to go to the Olympics, to come back, to still be pitching incredibly well, to be injured in the month of September, he pitched on the ninth. No, he pitched on the third. He pitched on the third, he pitched on the 11th, and now he's pitching today. This is only the third time this month that he's pitched uh, due to back spasms. And I mean, it was it was a masterclass. He never gave a three, uh, a three ball count. Was that right? No. Zero of his plate appearances? Correct. Absurdity. Just absolute absurdity based on his reputation. And, and that, like you mentioned, though, this is, this is a new boss. Like, we did not see him in the alternate site. We only know what people said. But this is clearly this jump that, you know, mysterious 2019 Shane Boz was something different than what he is today, but we've seen a huge leap. I mean, this is what the Rays do. This is the Rays, you know, system. They, BA was talking about on the broadcast, you know, when you bring somebody over from Pittsburgh, the first thing you do is you say, take that two-seamer, toss it in the trash. Now let's work with the stuff that you do have. You have a great four-seam fastball. Today, against Robbie Ray, who has a pretty, pretty darn elite four-seam fastball, it was Shane Boz with the top five pitch velocity. Actually, it was the all of the top pitch velocity on the day on StatCast. It was Shane Boz with that slider changeup that really was keeping the Jays off balance all game. And we're going to get into, you know, kind of the only two blemishes, but one of those was an incredible, like, it was an incredible high fastball that you have to be one of the best hitters in baseball to even touch. And, and most people are going to strike out pretty miserably on that pitch. So Boz becoming, again, no three ball counts, but also not even that, like he was, there's the whole idea of like control and command. He was dotting where he wanted it to go. So th sure. this was not just, he was not getting the three ball accounts. He was attacking the zone, but he was attacking the zone in places that he wanted to do. He had a plan, he had action, and he was going about it in a, really in a way that was beyond a 22 year old. I mean, the first plate appearance of the game, we should go through each of his innings. Uh, he was so efficient. We could talk about every pitch and it would still be a compelling podcast. Uh, but his first batter is George Springer hitting in leadoff, starts out with four fastballs, 96, 97, 98, 99. And then the slider drops in high and away and it's painting the corner. Darby, to exactly what you're saying, it was perfect accuracy where if Springer did not swing at the pitch, he swung and miss. It was incredible. But if he did not swing, it still would have been a strikeout because he had perfect accuracy of the strike zone. And that was the first plate appearance, starting out on a high note. Ridiculous. Robbie Ray is a Cy Young contender, maybe even a Cy Young favorite, depending on who you ask or what you read. And him and Shane Boz had the same number of whiffs tonight. They both had 15 swings and misses on the evening. Sh Shane Boz also went one third of an inning longer. <laughs> yes. I mean, he out him. And you look at it and you look at the um, 
I, I just had it pulled up. The like the whiffs that you had are 15 swing and misses for both Shane Boz and Robbie Ray. This is Shane Boz. Like, we, I can't stress this enough. His major league debut. That's why we're recording this podcast. And you, you look at uh, we, we've talked about how Rays take either young pitchers or new pitchers, and it's a baptism by fire. They can bring in JT Chagua. All of a sudden, he's in a high leverage situation. We've seen this time and time again. Shane McClanahan made his big league debut in the postseason last year. You've got two of the best lineups, probably maybe the two best lineups in the American League facing off tonight. The Blue Jays are the hottest team in baseball. You're going to tow the rubber against, in my opinion, the American League Cy Young favorite. Like, in, we're, you know, a day away potentially from clinching a, a postseason spot. To, to throw Shane Boz into that situation, one, not only does it show how much confidence the Rays have in him, but two, I think it's going to set him up. He's going to get a couple starts because I think eventually at some point, you know, I, I think the reason he's up right now is that the Rays at this point in time believe he's going to be on their postseason roster. Has to. Has to. The, the, the bullpen's in shambles. Let's, let's think about and come back to and circle up to what Shane Boss means to the playoff roster because I do think it's worth journeying through his evening, uh, the wildly impressive five innings that he threw. Because I'm thinking about uh, it's it being Shane Boss the starter. I think that's one of the things I wanted to come back to. Um, that reliever risk kind of like rattled around in my mind tonight and watching him work so efficiently and so effectively. It's not a David Price situation who comes in and is just a, a closer or something like that. If Shane Boz can deliver this kind of outing and pitch 65 pitches, maybe even more, you know, the, the all rookie raise rotation that's going to be rocking the playoffs right now. Um, all those dudes are going to be on like 60 pitch counts. But I mean, that's probably four innings most of the time and incredibly effective in the first inning. The, the other plate appearance that sticks out of my mind is when he came up against Vlad jr. Who might be the MVP. I mean, <laughs> there, there's an argument being made that he he's in the MVP conversation or maybe it's just him or Shohei at this point. Incredible that Vlad jr. Has put him himself in that position. And he starts out uh, with two balls. It's a two Oh count. And he comes back on three consecutive whiffs to the potential MVP as he's squaring off against the potential Cy Young. I, this, what a night, what a night, two sliders below the zone and then hits him with the 99 miles an hour up. And that's not the hitter who hit the home run against him on 99 miles an hour up. They're just an absurd evening. He, he had a two hit performance in five innings. One was a, a legit mistake, left it middle-middle, and Lord Iskariel took him out. Again, the Jays are a fearsome lineup. That happens. Make a mistake. Right now, everything they hit, every mistake is being capitalized on. But the home run from Teoscar Hernandez, he broke out, I think maybe the – it's hard to say if it was slider or curve. I'll have to check Savant later. Uh, but it was, basically, it, was it looked curve. more like a curve. It had more of the curve break, and it definitely didn't act like the other sliders. But basically, that curve gave a really interesting idea to Teoscar, and he is having an amazing year. The, to come back, though, from a swing and miss at a curve way out of the zone, low and away, to then eye line 99, top of the zone, to actually then take that pitch and send it out of the park, you try that pitch. I would do that pitch again and again and again. I'll do that 10 more times in a row. I don't think he's hitting a home run. 
on any of those times, but he got it on this one. And that's, you just tip your cap. You know, you, you make the pitch, the right location, the right zone, the, you execute your pitch. Sometimes a hitter is going to, going to be able to succeed. It happens. But the thing with Shane Boz too, both of his, both of his hits, both went for home runs. Those next, the next batter and this lineup for the Jays doesn't quit. The next batter, he just got immediately. He went right out. He attacked the zone. He didn't, he didn't seem like, you know, we've seen Blake Snell. We've seen Luis Patino. We've even seen Shane McClanahan last year. We saw uh, David Price. Like you, you saw a lot of like, okay, we're not going to go into the zone. There was a time where David Price actually was kind of worked around the zone. Chris Archer, we saw him work around the zone. You see guys that as they're young, they decide to kind of maybe avoid the zone. They maybe let some of those mistakes kind of rattle them a bit, not fully shake, but like they don't go right back in and don't expose themselves to that risk. Boz, completely unflappable. I mean, he has a kind of calmness on the mound that you could give up a huge home run to Guriel and then come right back, three pitches, strike out Gritchick with ease. No, no problem. No, like, no uh, panic. No, like, okay, I'm going to try to nibble here. Nope, just go right back. The stuff is great. He has the confidence in it you're probably not going to get me again. Boom. And that's, that is the sign of somebody that you can really, really trust. Command, control, composure. Yeah. I love that point too, because he wasn't shying away. I mean, he just struck out Vladdy two batters ago, but that 99 miles an hour up, it, it's very easy to say like, Oh, that's not working for me. Maybe I'll try something else. And the answer was no, that's definitely a put away pitch. Keep on putting that fastball there. And the vast majority of hitters don't even stand a chance. I mean, you have to think that Teoscar Hernandez just guessed right. It, you know, he got that curveball down. It was the first curveball that uh, Boss had thrown all evening. But I also like that he didn't shy away from the curveball either. The uh, the last out of the second was a strikeout of Gurriel Jr. And he started that plate appearance with a curveball down the middle. And, and, and that was for a strike as well. I mean, it... He, he had complete confidence in his stuff. And maybe it's Tokyo. It, before the game yesterday, Boz said that it was getting that experience in the Olympics that kind of helped him shy away from having all the nerves. And, and that's a nice quote. But this dude looked unflappable ice in his veins. He'd been doing this his whole life. And it's his major league debut. I, I definitely think like he, he learned a lot while he was in Tokyo and he gained a lot of experience. Like I said, playing alongside so many great big league ball players that maybe passed their prime a little bit. Um, but you can't tell me that pitching in empty stadiums in Tokyo uh, is the same as coming in, in a middle of a pennant race in the big leagues and, and, and pitching against a, a lineup like Toronto's. There's still a lot of learning he's going to have to do during this, these last couple of weeks of the season to get into October. But I mean, he, he got started on, on the best possible foot. And he kept his velocity up. I think that's worth mentioning as well, because, you know, before 2020, there was some uh, uh, concern about him keeping his velocity throughout the season. That kind of relates into reliever risk as well. He almost hit 100 tonight. And yeah, you're in your major league debut and maybe the nerves are there, the adrenaline's there, and that helps you along. But uh, Darby, as you alluded to earlier tonight, the five hardest pitches thrown in this game are probably all Shane Boz. And they're all 98.5 miles an hour or harder. Uh, just absurd stuff from Shane. 
Um, are there any yeah, other? We have, we have uh, the, the, the I do have the hardest right here, which is ninety nine point five from Boz. Right. It was ninety nine point five, ninety eight point eight, ninety eight point seven, ninety eight point five, ninety eight point four. All Shane Boz top top of the list. The the key there too is that he did. You mentioned it. He he did have velocity drops in twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen. He did struggle to keep the velocity when he was in the lower minors. And he also walked a ton of people. And what a lot of people have mentioned in a lot of the, the, the prospect write-ups is that his delivery, they kind of reworked it, they got him working simpler, they got him working clean and repeatable. So now he is able to tap in to that velocity much more effortlessly. He Before he was just hurling it and he was losing it and he was having to, to reach for that velocity and he wasn't commanding things. It was just, he's there and he's tossing 98. And he's just going up and just, just flinging it. And that's incredible, but it's helping him with the command because now it's, it's everything's moved. His body is working for him rather than him trying to like chase it. For sure. And, and he's working so fast. I mean, at, at some point, I think in the third, I, I started trying to time it. He was working like 15 seconds between pitches. How? <laughs> How do you throw 100 miles an hour and operate on that speed at that clip? Uh, just so impressive. You know, uh, we, we, we were kind of dismissing the Oscar Hernandez home run. I want to put a little bit of the blame on Mejia <laughs> for the other one because it was a slider that was attempted down and uh, it was in the dirt. And that's going to happen with the type of pitches that uh, Boz is, is showing here that he's throwing. Um, you know, it's really easy to spike that curve that he's throwing and it's going to be really easy to, um, to maybe spike the slider as well, because he's doing a lot of placement along the bottom of the zone, calling for the same pitch twice against this blue Jays lineup, like trying for the same location, basically the same pitch, the same speed. I don't like that call generally. And I mean, it was just wheelhouse for Gurriel jr. I think he hit that sucker, you know. Was it the hardest hit of the night? Darby, it sounds like you have StatCast open. Uh, I do. It was not actually the hardest hit uh, ball of the night. That actually is Nelson Cruz. Uh, Guriel came in third at 110.7. Teos, 106.7, the fifth hardest. Uh, so, yeah, you had uh, Vladdy, Nelson Cruz, Yandi. Yandi on the homer uh, at 109.2. Oh my gosh, what a call. You know, Dwayne Dwayne rises to the moments. Wow. Dwayne and BA called a heck of a game for Boz's debut. I thought they were just exceptional tonight. I mean, like from the pregame, I think everything that, that Bally Sports did on a production side of things was great. I thought Trisha's interview was great with Shane. And then their app doesn't work uh, all afternoon on my Apple TV. So I had to watch on my phone and airplay and run. It was Anyways, we don't have to criticize Bally all night, but I do think that they did a really great job handling his debut. They had a great highlights package from the minors and from the Olympics uh, to really kind of, you know, this, this was a really big game for more reasons than just Boz pitching tonight. You have the Blue Jays coming in as the hottest team in baseball. They're trying to secure a wild card spot and the Rays, while they have a comfortable hold on both the division lead and the, you know, number one seed in the American League, they've been... I don't want to say they've been slumping. They've just been kind of treading water and they've had some rough games. They split a series against Detroit at home and come in and, and kind of 
put any of this conversation, there's still baseball left to play tonight and this week, but put this conversation that the Rays were kind of falling back into the middle of the pack. Put that any of that conversation to bed and, and come out with a big win. And then really the, the Yandy home run with that yeah, amazing call from from Dwayne um, was really a moment that can, I think, help catapult this team in, into October. Well, I mean, this is a big series, but I don't think it's necessarily it's it's tough. I think it's a big series for the fans. I think it is a big series in terms of, you know, if, if it breaks the right way, you could you could clinch in this series. But I do think it's one of those things where for the Rays and it's always the fun way of like how Kevin Cash runs it is I don't think he is this series is is just like any other. They put uh, Andrew Kittredge on the IL with kind of neck things but probably <laughs> just a little phantom stint of everybody's sore what's the thing that's most sore about you sure let's go with that 10 days 10 day rest we'll get you back a couple days before the season uh, it's not a game that i don't think the rays went into as like we gotta win this there's no uh, locker room uh you know players only meeting and you throw throwing shane boz into this i danny mentioned it this is the rays way is what 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 we're not going to bring you in against Detroit. We're not going to bring you in against, you know, Miami. Why not against Toronto? You're going to have to, if we're going to use you in October, you're going to have to face Toronto or Chicago or Houston or equally, or the Yankees or the Red Sox, maybe not the Yankees, the Red Sox or Oakland. Uh, you're going to face really good hitters. So let's see it. And I think that faith in guys like Boz uh, and that the faith they put into like the bullpen, the faith they put into all these players, you, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't Shane Boz believe in it? If the team thinks that of him, if Kevin Cash says, yeah, you can do this, go, go out there, take the mound five innings today. I mean, I think that was even longer than we were expecting. We were, I think we were all thinking maybe like three or four, you know, kind of mm -hmm. little feet wet type of situation, but five innings, two full times through the order, uh, very very impressive like this they they gave him a leash they said like we we trust you and uh i think all of the tempered expectations that we were trying to to offer and i was trying to have uh he he blew wildly past them <laughs> this was about as perfect a debut as you could you could imagine but there'll be ways there'll be also some small things to work on which is always like i think a, a coach I think probably Kyle Snyder's favorite thing is that it's an amazing performance, did everything he wanted to do, still had a couple mistakes. So he can go like, okay, let's, how do we get better? I, I, I think my question here, and I'm, I, I kind of know the answer already, uh, but to Shane Boz's debut, and I'll, it's been, he's thrown five innings in a big league. So I don't want us to get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, but is, is Shane Boz going to push Ryan Yarbrough off the playoff roster? Yes. Next question. It's a different role. No, well, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. It's a different role. It's a different role. I mean, we're we're yeah. Actually, no. Let me dial that back. Off the playoff, off, off the playoff rotation. Yes, uh, I think that. I mean, because what other left-hander are you using out of the bullpen? Uh, Adam Conley. Conley. Dietrich Ends. No. Ooh, I no. don't know. I might take Conley over Yarbrough. Conley, like higher nineties, wipeout slider. All right, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I don't know which lefty I choose, but in all those situations, though, I'm not thinking of length. You know, I'm just thinking of, wow, mm -hmm. you're left-handed. So maybe, maybe Conley is the answer there. Um, 
That's it. Because if it's if it's a loogie, if it's if it's more of that like short, you know, we're we're just coming for the three batters or to finish the inning, like hundred percent. Yeah, actually, I do kind of like Adam Conley for that role. Is there room for that on the playoff roster? I don't know if the Rays are going to go that far. Uh, particularly when Ryan Yarbrough could do that or give you length if you need like a mop-up duty uh, uh, kind of situation. And maybe you bring in Yarbrough for a seven-game series. If you advance past the DS, you might need a pitcher out of the bullpen that can provide length like a Yarbrough um, if you get past, if you get into the ALCS. It's it's depending upon the round. So I think you have a guy like, so Josh Fleming and Durham has been working out of the pen with increased velocity, his velos, his fastball velo has been clocked at 94, 95. So he's lo- he's working like one, two inning stints. So it's looking more like potentially being used as a bullpen guy. So that's an option. Huge ground ball uh, guy. So that's your that's a that's a pretty nice loogie as a potential left handed version of Ryan Thompson as a guy that can come in and get a ground ball, get a tough lefty out. But it really depends. I mean, you have like if it's against the Blue Jays, for instance, in the ALDS, they don't have a lefty that you have to worry about. So you can basically just stack righties and maybe you don't have Yarbrough. So I think I think you could see I would be surprised if Yarbrough is on every single round of the playoffs. But I think depending on the matchup, I, I do think he could still be around. But it not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. I do think Boz fills a different role, though, which is if you want a guy who can go potentially be a starter, but also I think with the Rays, you even looked last year with the with the top tier starters they had, five innings was the limit. That was pretty much it. A couple of guys, last one went six. I think Morton had one game where he went over five. But for the most part, it was still five innings. So if you can get a great four innings, that's pretty much right there. So if Boz gets you awesome four, but he can't get you to the fifth, that's okay. But that's that's a role that you don't have. So Conley in length doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Conley generally is very exciting. <laughs> I, again, yet yet another race finding someone out of obscurity, right? That's that's sort of an Aaron Loop signing of this year where you got like a lefty who's had some success but also has kind of been forgotten and you're like, let's bring him in. And I mean, Aaron Loop wasn't throwing 98. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's go with that. I don't see a situation which Ryan Yarbrough is in the rotation. Uh, I am mildly excited about the possibility of an all-rookie race rotation, depending on um, what they choose to do with Michael Waka. Uh, Waka has shown an ability to work in uh, out of the bullpen previously. Now, maybe uh, he he doesn't enjoy that. <laughs> maybe that's just doing what he's uh, what's being asked of him. But he has shown capability of it. And a lot of these rookies maybe don't have that experience of ever pitching out of a bullpen kind of situation. Maybe they're always starters. And uh, you can make an argument that you want to do the least amount of damage uh, to a player's approach, right? Uh, The reason why the bulk versus opener thing didn't work for some people is because uh, I always need to work out of the bullpen or I always need to warm up as a starter. So it's hard for us to project exactly what's going on there and which of the six man rotation uh, as it exists right now is going to be, um, you know, in, in a shorter ro- rotation for the playoffs. But between Yarbrough, McClanahan, Boz, Rasmussen, Waka, and Patino, I'm almost thinking, give me the four rookies as the rotation uh the, to start those games and then let's use waka and maybe if it's a longer series use yarbro uh to to provide that length 
I, I actually, I think, yeah, Waka is in my postseason. Uh, not necessarily rotation. Again, rotation, bullpen. He's on the roster. Uh, yeah. No, no cutter Waka is a different, different pitcher. I think we have like this, obviously his fans have only seen, they have so much memory of, of early season Michael Waka. And when fundamental change in a pitching repertoire then coincides with uh, increased success, that is a different pitcher. So you got to take that tape from before, you got to just toss that out. You really got to like, you got to, as Rays fans, you got to focus on what is he post this pitching change? He had a game against Toronto. It wasn't great, but it was also not as bad as the line looked. He gave up six runs, but it was a lot of... Oh, did we just lose him? We lost Darby. I mean, Darby's audio is garbage. He's back, maybe. Brett, is this sounding okay on your end? You you do. Darby sounds kind of rough. All right. Well, I'm so glad you're good at editing. Or just leave all this in. Leave it in. That's fine. <laughs> you, give me, you give me too much credit for being good at editing. Okay, so the the, yeah, the rotation right now is lined up. Um, so Boz is tonight following the rotation. I'm, I'm doing this a lot. Rasmussen, Waka, Patino, Yarbrough, McClanahan, Boz. Rasmussen, Waka, Patino, Yarbrough, McClanahan, playoffs. The next open slot is Boz. Game one, baby. But it, you know, big but there would be um, – I'm guessing the playoffs are starting October 4th. The schedule's out. Is, is it out? I don't even know. ALDS starts October 7th. October 7th? So we're jumping from the 3rd to the 7th. So my point just doesn't matter here at all. But I do like it that Boz lines up um, getting one more turn in the rotation and then uh, and then he's out. Uh, Boz's next outing would be at Houston. Well, there's another test, right? Why don't, why don't you throw him? Toronto and then Houston, two teams you'll maybe see in the postseason. Other than his like development in AAA, like this had to have been a somewhat of a coordinated decision to think, okay, we're going to test him against Toronto, we're going to test him against Houston, and like personally, Boz was getting close to being in my postseason rotation. Uh, anyways, like even before the call up, I was thinking, okay, maybe they bring him up or maybe he's in there and maybe not as a starter, but maybe they use him for three or four innings in the postseason, which I kind of consider the rotation at this point. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And then, and then the bullpen, I don't know. There's a, a lot of it's dependent on health. Like what's Ryan Thompson up to? Is he done for the year? Um, it's like, do they still like JP Fire Do they still like JT Chagua? What about Lewis head? Like there's a lot of question marks with the bullpen. But I think the rotation, you've got five guys that you're comfortable with. Uh, and I do think you're comfortable with Waka, like Darby was saying before he, he cut out. In the month of September, Waka's got 17 innings pitched. And while that's a small sample size, there is a notable change that he made to his pitching repertoire. He's got a he's rocking a 317 XFIP, and his K to walk ratio is nine. Nine. I mean, he has been really solid in those 17 innings. Still a small sample size, but when you see that notable change, maybe the scouting report changes on Waka. Maybe teams, especially in the postseason, will start to figure him out. There's a good chance they'll face Toronto and or Houston again in October as they face them here at the end of the season. But really promising from him. And I don't know. Maybe this is a cliche. Maybe this isn't doesn't mean anything. Waka has the postseason experience which I think does matter to an extent. It might be a small extent, but I think it does matter. It does. I mean, they said that when they signed him, that we, we needed to replace some of the 
the veteran leadership and in particular postseason experience that was lost by treating uh, Blake Snell and, and cutting essentially uh, Charlie Morton. I mean, they declined his option, but you, you it, you're basically cutting the guy. You're letting him walk. Uh, Charlie Morton, who got paid. We did not talk about that on the pod yet. Holy Moses. It's sure nice to see players get paid. What were they, what they're worth? All right. Um, let's talk playoff roster. I, I mean, I don't know exactly how many pitchers are going to get carried, but just give me a yes or no on uh, on these guys being on the roster. We already talked through the six-man rotation. It sounds like we feel like five locks and a maybe on Ryan Yarbrough. Looking at the bullpen, uh, we're assuming Andrew Kittredge is fine. He's on the injured list right now with neck tightness. I mean, that dude has been getting ridden into the ground as the as the race closer this year, and he, he deserves some time off. So I, I'm going to assume he's fine. Uh, Pete, Fa- Pete Fairbanks, we trust him, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, he's in. Uh, Colin McHugh, yes, one hundred percent. Team USA closer from Tokyo, David Robertson. Yeah, I yeah. think he's here to be on the postseason roster. You can't leave him off. That's exactly why he's here, and you wouldn't want to. Nope. How are we feeling about Sharkwa? I have him on my roster. My current roster projection, I have it. Maybe that's my decision making, not the Rays, but I, I have Sharkwa on over. He It was either him or Fire Eisen was going to get a spot. I have Sharkwa, and I think I actually might even have Fire Eisen too, but I have Sharkwa ahead of Fire Eisen. I think he's a really dangerous against righties. He Those sliders are really, really good. And if you have maybe Matt Whistler healthy, he could push him down, but I think Sharkwa is near the top. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to assume that Wizards on a, on a true injured list situation. <laughs> he came back too soon and uh, tried to pitch, and he was he was instantly hurt. No, um, I mean, also, Chargois has just been incredibly consistent, I feel like. Uh, you know, some of these relievers have been uh, a little bit of a roller coaster looking at you, Pete Fairbanks. But um, just steadiness from, from JT Chargois, uh as far as my memory serves, I could be just completely making this up. He walks a little bit more than I, I want him to. JP Fire Ryzen? I have no idea of the game. I have no clue what's coming out of JP. I think he doesn't make it, but I also put Lewis Head on my roster, and maybe he beats out Lewis Head. How many names are we supposed to be naming right now? I had a nine-man bullpen. Well, uh, with one, of, I had Patino listening in the bullpen. Well, so that's what I'm trying to say. Like. Speaking of the rotation, how well? How many total roster pitchers do you think the Rays are going to go? I had thirteen, thirteen split. Right now, it's the five-man bench plus Franco uh, on the injured list, and we're assuming he's coming back. I have a thirteen, thirteen split with Luplo being the last man on the roster. Wait, so then who are you cutting on offense? Did I miscount? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's fifteen dudes. So you've got nine in the starting lineup. There's a five-man bench right now, which is fourteen. And then Franco makes it 15. Is it a 28-man postseason roster? Did I just do the math wrong? It's 26. I probably forgot somebody. Okay. It sounds like you've already got it written down. I have not written this down. I love just thinking about it uh, and, and brainstorming what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know what the Rays are going to do with their bench. Uh, so I have not thought critically enough about it. I oh, I didn't imagine. put walls. I cut walls. Oh, you cut walls. Okay. But maybe he makes it over loop low. Trade-off. I think that's a, that's a debate on whether what the opponent you have. Do they have a uh, tough lefties? If it's Toronto, you put Luplo in. If it's maybe a team Boston. that has a lot more righties, bought yeah, Boston again, you'd put Luplo. Um, but if it's more righties, then maybe you have Walls, and that's your better defender. Yeah, and and you do that because you could have Wendell 
I guess cover short if mm-hmm. the, if the hammy flares up for Franco again. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Walls is just so good defensively. I I really hate not including him, but that's that's a tough call. Uh, on the pitching side, if we're only going thirteen, we have five locks already between McClanahan, Boz, Rasmussen, Waka, and Patino. Uh, and so we let's leave Ryan Yarbrough on the bubble. So that's five. We had Fairbanks, McHugh. David Robertson and Sharkwa. Nick so Anderson. Five plus four. That brings us up to nine. Nick Anderson is not on the playoff roster, dude. What are you talking about? What the heck are you talking about? That dude is throwing 91. He is not the same pitcher. The Vila is not a problem for me. It's gotten up. It's still, he's not missing bats. I think that's the big key is command is getting better. Curve is still all over the place. The Velo is getting back up to the mid. 90s it's but the command is not there if there's no if there's no whiffs here's the thing he has looked much better than his first game his first game i'll take i'll toss that out it's it the bad. first game back the last two have been okay but like it's not better than lewis head and that's the i think this is the problem is he, he doesn't he's not getting whiffs now there's still some time to be used and this is the time to use him and try it out but if if he doesn't have a single whiff before the end of the season, like you can't put him on a playoff roster. He's not a ground ball. He's not a ground ball guy and he's not getting it past bats. Yeah. The fastball is dead. That's what that's, I, of course it's more than velocity. Pitchers can work with a very light fastball with throwing slower. It is a, an atrocious fastball. It is just a meatball. I, I trust not. Yeah. He had two very short outings uh, in, in the last couple of days. Um, what, what he threw like 10 pitches like it, they were they were standard in terms of length but they were not his stuff like nick anderson is not back nick anderson died and they brought a zombie back and it, <laughs> it is not effective i mean are you putting jp fire eyes in, in over over like and lewis head over nick anderson i have jp fire eyes in, in well over nick anderson i think jp fire eyes in uh let's just say pre the sticky stuff ban is a great pitcher and then maybe he got <laughs> yeah. hurt somewhere sometime after that let's just say that he has not had the same stuff with with the decreased spin rate just coinciding with that event but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. do think he's not bad like he has actually shown an ability to miss bats he does still walk a bit too many people but honestly i don't think he's still getting whiffs he's prone to the the long ball he is prone to a potential walk but he's still getting whiffs and the stuff is still better than a lot of other people so i think he's more on the fringe but like way ahead of nick anderson right now and maybe i'm too optimistic on how nick anderson's progression is going to go and, and if matt whistler or ryan thompson is healthy i think i would take either one of those over nick anderson i assumed that maybe they're not ready for the postseason um but i i, I don't know maybe i'm being a little too optimistic on, on nick anderson and things can change like right he's working his way back if for some reason he's starting to get some whiffs and that fastball shows a little bit more life that's a different story. He still has a couple of weeks, but right now, what I've seen right now, these three appearances, not, not good enough. Yeah. JP is definitely a, a, a bubble guy, you know, also to, you, you mentioned Whistler, he's injured right now with the, with the finger injury. Uh, and speaking of someone who dealt with finger injuries before also rehabbing from injury and possibly trying to come back in time, Cody Reed is out there. Mm. And we just talked about the lack of potential lack of left-handed pitchers, especially if Ryan Yarbrough is on the bubble. And if you're looking for again another guy that maybe you know he's not going to provide the length, 
Um, but another lefty, because in, in my current bullpen makeup, Conley was the only lefty I had on the postseason roster. Yarbrough would be another one. But Cody Reed, again, it's in the complex league. Triple A season's over. You have to probably be pretty comfortable with what you're seeing out of him to bring him back. He got into the last triple A game. Oh, did he really? So he was in Durham. He did. Okay. He did. He got one outing in Durham and uh, he had no strikeouts and one hit allowed. <laughs> and he got like one full inning. I, who knows what that data was? Uh, maybe I can try to do some sleuthing to find out. Is the triple A season actually over or do they just clinch it and they're still playing games? They're still playing games. Oh, they are? Okay, so maybe maybe yeah. he gets another outing in. He, see, he pitched yesterday. So he he is out there, and he is rehabbing. I think that's an interesting wrinkle. Uh, I mentioned nine. The obvious number 10 on that list is Andrew Kittredge, right? So yeah. if, if it's a 13-man roster, you just need to choose three more. Between the five-man rotation, Fairbanks, McHugh, Robertson, Chargois, and Kittredge. Uh, among those three, for me... If the injured guys are injured, the real injured guys are, are still injured right now. You have no lefties, so you need to pick one. And Conley does make sense if you're looking for shorter amounts. You do need a mop-up person who can just go out there and eat a whole game if they need to. And that's Ryan Yarbrough. And so I think that's how he works his way in, unless the Rays want to just use the whole bullpen. But, you know, it's the playoffs. You kind of you designate a man for the job, right? And so then that leaves one more. And I guess it's Fire Ryzen among the, the, the guys remaining head ends, Fire Ryzen, Anderson. But I, I would keep my fingers crossed for Matt Wizard coming back just because it's, it's just something completely different. That's mine, though. So you're saying Ryan Yarbrough makes your team as the punter? Yep, for sure. I like it. Bradley Pinion of the Rays. He gets to wear one. Well, another good news, and I guess we can kind of wrap it up on this. Wander Franco headed to Durham for a quick rehab assignment, and he could be with the team again this weekend, which I thought maybe they'd let him rest until the last series or two of the season. He's already the best player on this team. And he and I, I tweeted it today. The one, obviously, Tyler Glass now, massive injury. But the one injury that I thought the Rays could least afford to to have was Mike Zanino. He's their catcher. He's been maybe the most uh, productive offensive player on the team and it, in, in, in one of their most valuable defensive players. Losing him would hurt. But I think Wander Franco has become the number one player on that list. We've kind of seen already how the offense has scuffled through these last few games without him in the lineup. But to see him coming back, that's a, a, re- a really promising sign. Get a couple weeks under him before the postseason starts. I mean, yeah, this it's a it's a huge boost. Like the the kid is electric. He is amazing. He is everything you'd want and more. And so I think if he's ready to go, the thing is the Rays aren't bringing him back on Friday because they're rushing him back. If he isn't ready to come back, I bet he is probably ready to come back tomorrow when he's the earliest he can come out. And I think they'd just rather have him get some game time, get some, I the Rays have not played September like they have had like a great urgency or a panic. And so they wouldn't be panicking now with Wander. So I think for that, they're just saying, let's do, he, he, let's give him a couple games, you know, let's give the Durham fans uh, another, another one last, one last peak uh, until they never see him again, Come, bring him back for one last home stand for the, the home fans. And then, uh, you know, to, to kind of wrap up series against, 
you know, put, again, that's a, a different from pitching. I think for hitting for like Wander, getting a chance to maybe see some of the guys you might see in the postseason from the Houston and from the Yankees could be helpful for those batters. For the pitchers, for like a guy like Kittredge, holding them back now actually is pretty smart because now you don't want to give those batters as many looks at a guy that you're going to use in high leverage. So for Wander, getting a chance to see Houston and New York one more time could be helpful. I mean, you might, it may not, it may not be much, but you might pick up on a pitch that suddenly that next time you see it is in the ALDS or the ALCS and you turn it around for a home run. Yeah. I just, I want his, I want his on base streak to come back. That was fun when that was like on ESPN and stuff and they were tracking it. Um, I hope they give it the same level of attention as it was before because you know, Wonder Franco's vibes. And it, maybe he didn't have the candidacy when he got hurt, but is his rookie of the year candidacy done with that injury? Uh, can I still say it's uh, it's Randy's? It's Randy's. No, I do. Like we 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 talked about we talked about this. I, I we I do think it's Randy's, but I think if Wander had stayed healthy, his name would have rightfully been right in that conversation with both mm-hmm. Garcia's and Randy um, as, as being the rookie of the year. Because who do you when you look back at the season as a baseball season as, as a baseball fan? Who was the rookie of the year? It was Wander Franco. All right. Any final thoughts as we wrap this one up? September's been that bad vibes. I don't know. Has it? It it has been bad vibes. I don't think it's been the worst play, but the vibes have been bad. The vibes have been bad. The, the bullpen's been hurt. It's been the sequencing. I don't even know if the bullpen's been hurt. They've had like a couple of they had like a couple of bad games, but now lately they've been like complete nails. Uh, it's, it's funny though. It's just, it's the sequencing of the losses that have really hurt. Like they've lost the, the last game of every single series in September. So it's left even the win, even the ones like against Boston, uh, which is a series win against Minnesota, which is a series win. It ends on a bummer and it's like, Oh, on a bummer. Oh, on a bummer each time. And that's, you know, it's been like, kind of like that. And then like even Detroit where they, you know, just had a close games, they had, an exciting win and then two games where it's like oh those probably should have been wins it's just been like a lot of that september's been weird vibes for me too just because of the attendance i mean you can feel it you can hear it terribly att- i know we're in an ongoing pandemic but i mean in florida people swim with the gators like i don't, it's <laughs> people are scared of nothing in this state and the attendance has been abysmal uh when they don't have a commute right uh, part of the excuse over time has been, oh, you know, people don't want to drive to St. Pete. No one's on the road. The the commute's fine. You don't have a commute. You go from your couch to your desk, back to your couch again. I don't know. The attendance has just been so terrible. And I'm glad they did the $10 tickets to to save some face. But even tonight, I mean, did they have more than 10,000 fans? They did have more than 10,000. They had like 10,100 or something like that. Oh, really? <laughs> There's 10,119. I mean, it should. I mean, Colorado has like, Colorado has 28,000 fans for a, a terrible team. Like, the best team in baseball should be able to pull attendance. The, I, the, this, is, this is, I mean, we, we've covered it to death, but like, this is where I, I don't know if you could, I, I don't know if you can charge a ticket cheap enough that you will get people to come Monday through Thursday to St. Pete to drive and do the traffic both ways of the crowds. Like, I, I just don't think that is something that people will want to do. And I don't think the marketing or prices of tickets and stuff is going to be the thing that will magically twist it. I think you have just the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is just a 
real dead zone. And if you can maybe boost it with some cheap tickets, you can get it to 10,000 and you can maybe get like a giveaway and some stuff to like fluff up the numbers, but without being able to just kind of like wander in, like Coors is, is right downtown. And so you get to like, just, you can basically have your happy hour drink from the, from your, uh, from your thing at the bar and then into Coors at the stadium and then back home again, across the street to your apartment. Whatever. There's multiple decent bars all right next to there's two breweries and Ferg's like I don't know what else people want uh, if they're if they're looking <laughs> to just get a beer um I don't know why you didn't just and by the way uh team green bench when it comes to those two breweries just personally speaking um just make it pandemic pricing uh if I'm in the raise marketing department this is officially raise your voice Brett we've moved into raise your voice territory if I'm in the raise marketing department, I call it pandemic pricing. I, I create a set of benefits for the season ticket holders who paid good money for their seats or whatever that situation was. I, I create new benefits, brand new uh, uh, things to make them feel like they got their money's worth. And then literally it's pay what you can. So many people have lost their jobs. So many people are collecting unemployment. During September, uh, that unemployment landscape has changed to be uh, back to what it was pre-pandemic. Um, pr pay what you can. And judge no one if they're paying a dollar to come into the game. Uh, let people in. See what happens. Hmm. Fill, the, fill the seats. Like I don't understand why they were still charging $16 for the TBT party deck, if that even has a sponsor anymore, because all the freaking sponsors have pulled out of every section of the ballpark, except for Louisiana hot It's GTE financial party like, deck now. Why do we have zero? Oh, excuse me, GTE. Uh, please forgive me. <laughs> uh, Grand Theft Entertainment? Like, what does GTE even stand for? I have no idea. Uh, Gran Turismo Enterprise, uh, get thousands extra. Is it financial? <laughs> is it is it a bank? It is a Come bank. On, yes. Guys. Just who cares about the price of the tickets? Just get people in. If you create an environment that's strong, people will show up and people will buy your tickets ahead of time. Maybe it's pandemic pricing just at the gate, and then you uh, you'll never mm. be turning people away because the capacity of the stadium is thirty. Grant, but like if you want to pick your seat, you need to pay ahead of time. If you don't want to pick your seat, um, you know, pay what you can when you get to the door. They should have been getting as dramatic as possible to get butts in the seats instead of this beers are five dollars and tickets are ten dollars. And it's still bait, it's just like an affordable baseball game. It's what baseball should cost at a normal time. I think I think you're I think that's a, a, a awesome sentiment. I just think it's it is kind of funny that if that's what it takes to get people to show up to this stadium, I think that is the underline that Stu Sternberg needs to say that the team needs a move, even even across the bay to Tampa. Because the, these, the, like the pricing, these things that you're saying, I would love if that was part of baseball. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I, I, I'm a nice radical guy that thinks those things could be cheaper and we don't need as much money in the billionaire owner's pockets. But if you look around baseball, like you're, you're talking mediocre teams are not going to be doing this, those level of pricing. Uh, so I think, I think it's one of those tough things. Whereas like, if, if you can have Seattle and Oakland, well, not Oakland, they, they are also doing terrible in their, their stadium, but 
if you can see everybody can just kind of do whatever pricing and still be fine. And it takes, it would need all of that to get to 15,000 in St. Pete. I think that is the, I think that's the underline that says like that that location can't work. That's, that's my raise my voice is, is that, but I, but I think for this year, it would be a great opportunity. It would be a great opportunity yes. for a community building thing, which the Rays have been one of the best, like com- kind of community leaders. I actually, I love that idea of the pay what you want as like a, we're going to do what nobody else in baseball is willing to do because we like our community and like, unlike others, like when there was the, I think the Rays have been one of those better teams when it comes to community outreach, this would have been a great way to set themselves out from all the other owners and all the other teams that weren't doing that because everybody in every state is suffering. So this would be a great opportunity for the race to do that. It is a missed opportunity on that regard. I actually think that's a brilliant idea and uh, Stu probably can't afford you, but that would, that would be a good, that would be a good marketing idea. Oh man. I, I just, I think community buildings is where it's at and you need the, the ballpark to be an exciting place to be. I mean, we're already at a disadvantage to get people to attend games because the product on radio and television are just top tier. Like sometimes I wonder, like, is that the problem? Is that, is the broadcast too good? Is it just too great of a product? Like, do, do, do the raise, do the raise yeah. need to get rid of Dwayne stats and Brian Anderson because they're too good and make them stadium only stadium exclusive. <laughs> to hear Dwayne Stats and Brian Anderson, to hear Neil Salons and to hear uh, Andy and Dave, you have to come to the stadium. Whichever section you're in, you get to hear. That's the that's the Dave and Andy section. That's the Dwayne and BA section. On the radio, you get. Uh, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> can, I, can I have that during the playoffs? Because typically uh, during the playoffs, I'm screaming for Dwayne and BA to come back. Oh no, I hope we don't get the same crew as last year. Welcome back uh, to the 47th inning. The sun is rising. <laughs> yes. Oh, sweet God, yes. <laughs> no, I like, I will say I do like Joe Buck. I know it's it's not cool, but I, I think Joe Buck is quite he's, no, always, it's, he's it's not different. the best. He's not the best, but he is I, I think he does a he calls a good game. He calls a good game. It's, it's effective. It's effective. It's a damn shot better than Matt Baskerjan and Arod. Let's just say that. I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt your guys' uh, little parade here, but David Roberts is currently blowing the game, and so maybe we need to end the podcast before things get really bad. David Robertson, you're oh. off the playoff roster. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but yeah, this was the instant react slash raise your voice. I don't know. Maybe it'll be both this week. Make it raise your voice. Make raise your voice. Instant reaction. Um, yeah, and it was fun. Um, but uh, now I'm gonna stress over this ninth inning, which is now six to four with a runner on first and nobody out. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Danny and Darby for coming on tonight, even uh, with their uh, sketchy audio for the, for, for the time being. Um, <laughs> but we'll make it work. Uh, as always, make sure to head on over to dracebay.com to check out all of the great race coverage as we ramp up and head towards the postseason. Once again, thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.